a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Chaleos, Tom Bettis, Liz Hamilton with us this morning. We're taking your calls at 801-575-8255. And you can also text us at 57500. Uh, next listener is Jacob in Lake Point. Uh, good morning, Jacob. What is your question? Hey, good morning. So I've got three uh, maples that I planted last year. I wrapped them with uh, over the winter want to know when I would want to take that off and then also when I would want to take the guide ropes that I put on them to help protect them from the extreme wind that we have here. So real quick question for you. What are you in Lake Point, Utah or Oregon? Where? Yes, just the Lake Point, Utah. It's just the other side of uh, um, just off of I-80 there by the mountain ride in Tooele County. Okay. No, that's all good. I, I knew of a couple different ones, but it's all good. I would get those off. And if I had, like, electronic clapping, like if Eric had a hotkey that he could just hit, I would give you applause and a candy bar for wrapping those maples with them being young to help save them from hot sun. Hey, we've got one. Sweet. And so, yeah, get get that off. And what was your other question? Uh, the guide ropes, because I put those in when I planted them, simply because we get really severe north-south winds here. And so I wanted to make sure that those were protected from the wind. Yeah, get them through the spring when we're still really likely for those strong winds. You don't usually want to leave those ropes on for more than about a year. Okay. Yeah, so come end of May, it'll have been a year that they've been planted. Yeah, and I would get them off and see how they do. If they look like they're going to snap in half, you may have to redo them. But you do those ropes loose enough that they can have some play so that the trunk naturally strengthens. And if the canopy is too heavy for the trunk, you may need to just selectively take a few branches out to lighten it. Yeah, I, I was, when I put them in, I intentionally put them in loose so that it's strengthened them, but still give them some protection from each of the angles. But yeah, so I'll take those off after they start to leaf out here in the spring. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, thank you. All right, Jacob. You're welcome. Hey, Maria, Liz mm-hmm. looked up that USA Nursery mm-hmm. and the website and some of the reviews, it's awfully, it looks awfully dubious. <laughs> yeah, she showed me some of the things on there and uh, I wouldn't be ordering my seeds from there <laughs> for sure. Uh, we have our next listener, Ton, says they have, they just moved to a new home. They have two older snowball bushes and they're very big. They can tell that they've been topped, but they want to know how to properly trim them so they're not so shaggy looking. Well, uh, it sounds like they need nair hair cutter for shrubs. 
I, you I wish that existed, right? Yes. <laughs> no, I, if they don't really care right now, as far as when I say don't really care, what I'm saying is if they don't really feel like the blossoms are going to be an important thing this spring, they could actually get after it right now. And I would perform what perform renewal pruning where they go in and take about 25% of the branches out toward the base and you take the biggest ones out. And so you're leaving about three quarters of the canopy. But if you do that, you can reduce the size by about a third and then you can give them a light haircut and you would do this every year so you're taking 20 or 25% of that branching out and you'll keep them blooming very profusely, keep the size down and just keep them a little bit more vigorous. Okay. But they want those beautiful blooms this spring. So if they like snowball case, trees, you would just do it bushes. as soon as they're done blooming. Okay. So wait till they're done blooming. Yeah. And I was more looking at it as if, if they have a lot to do in the yard and they just have to get after it, then they could do it now. But definitely if you want those blossoms, wait, as soon as those blossoms are spent, get on it. Uh, next listener would like to know, they say they have a hard time finding red flowering perennials. And so they were asking uh, if there is a red coreopsis or something similar that flowers all summer. Both well, and I'll let Liz chime in on this too, but the red coreopsis don't seem to overwinter well in Utah. Hmm. Yeah, that's also my experience. There's a there's a, an off-red pink one too. They just kind of struggle. I've seen just plain yellow and white do the do the best here. So I some of the ones I thought of were Zoshnaria. Yeah. Uh, sure. Then daylilies. There's red daylilies, red lilies, red peonies, red, red echinacea. Yep, I was Go just going to say that. Red, I was just going to say red echinacea. Um, there's perennial lobelia cardinal flower. Is a nice that would one. be a pretty one. Yeah. Um, Oh, some there's, of the red penstemons. Go yeah, ahead. I was just going to say red penstemons are pretty darn stunning, and some of them bloom all season long. There's also marginally hardy, but I have them in my yard, and it might be a little more orange than red, but um, um, oh, now I can't think of the name. I'll think of it in a minute. <laughs> well, you, you mentioned salvias earlier, and there's an annual salvia that the red color is just gorgeous. Yes. So the red annual red salvia, but then like we were talking about being a little bit adventurous, if you have the right spot, some of the salvia greggiis will have red blossoms and they'll go all summer, but they need to be in a protected spot with really well-drained soil. Yeah, and I, the the plant I was going to say was crocosmia. I have red crocosmia in my Oh, that's yard. another good one. Yeah, and a huge hummingbird magnet, big, gigantic sprays of red flowers, but you really need to be in a protected location like the south side of your house or somewhere that's going to stay warm. Yeah, I mean, red hibiscus. There are multiple red hibiscus available now that are hybrid, and so they stay more compact, and they just bloom from July until frost. Yeah. So that would be another one. And Midnight then, Marvel. That's a yeah, pretty stunning one. It yeah, is. Red, red leaves and red flowers. Yeah. And then this is, again, a little on the more adventurous side, but they generally overwinter. But some of the red gladiolas might be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our listeners is talking about Marjorie from Willard Bay Gardens that, was, that joined us earlier talking about uh, new, interesting plants for the season. Um, but they're wondering, is there a place like Willard Bay Gardens with unique, more unique plants? Um, in Utah County. Well, and Liz, you might need to help me on this one too, at least for South Salt Lake County, but I was thinking maybe Sun River Gardens. 
Yeah, Thrive. You've got Thrive Nursery. Thrive Nursery would be a really good one. And there, I can't remember their names, but there are a few nurseries on the on Geneva Road that, or that West Provo corridor that have pretty good perennial selections. Okay. Uh, next listener says, what is the care for Russian sage and do you need to divide it? How, how far back do you need to do it each spring? Do you uh, want to pick this one? Yeah. So Russian sage typically has a woody base, just like lavender or regular culinary sage. So you don't want to get in there and divide it. Um, it's, you just cut it back and you can, Russian sage, unlike lavender, can take a really hard hack, even though it's got that woody base. Um, so I'd prune it back by half or even more once you kind of start to see, um, in the spring, if buds are starting to swell or you're seeing those growth points. I will say that I have had Russian sage, um, send off and little runners and create side plants, um, and when that happens, you can dig those out as a separate plant and replant them somewhere else. But I wouldn't call it dividing specifically because you're not messing with the original main body of the plant that was there. All right. Jack in Springville at Hobble Creek Canyon wants to scatter California poppy seeds in a field of wild grasses. It's not tilled. He also wants to scatter uh, butterfly seeds. Butterfly seeds are there? Oh, mm. from the butterfly bush. Maybe butterfly bush. weed. Weed? Yeah. Like, okay. Um, Not for weed, but food. butterfly weed, yeah. Okay, so when would he do that? De- well, it, de- it depends on which butterfly weed he's trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll use, I'll, I'll the, use the Latin seeds? name. Yeah, the poppy seeds he could do as soon as the snow melts. Um, and he could do some of the butterfly weed which i think he's referring to asclepius so monarch butterfly food not butterfly bush um but if he's if he's referring to butterfly weed um and it's it's, he could do it now but he may get um no flowers this year you can also it takes really well to a fall sowing so he could have put it in the ground on the fall and then had the snow come down and then it would come up this spring um and that would have been good too. But he just if it if it does work this this spring, if he puts it down and he gets it, he won't see any blooms this year. It won't be till the following year that that will happen for him. Okay, we have had uh, quite a few questions about the stuff that Marjorie had the plants that Marjorie was talking about at the top of the nine o'clock hour. And I just want to let you know our producer Michelle is putting that information that whole interview up on the KSL Greenhouse Facebook page. You can find it there. You can also find it at the KSL Greenhouse Show website. And you can find that at it's blah, blah, blah. So Michelle is trying to remind me of all the different places people can find things. While we're looking for that, we should mention that Willard Bay Gardens is widely known for being the place to go to for unique perennial varieties. Mm-hmm. And they are known all over the state. And so we don't, when we are putting people from garden centers and things on, we always do it very cautiously to be fair to everyone out there. But Marjorie, um, they're the new owners of Willard Bay Gardens since Barney Barnett passed away, unfortunately. And I've heard a lot of good things. And so we've decided to have her on for a few minutes to just talk about. And I asked her to focus on things that would be available from other garden centers, too. And I think she did a great job. 
And she did. And again, our website is kslnewsradio.com slash greenhouse. So you can find all of the information, the articles there as well. We need to take a break. We'll be back with more of your calls and questions. 801-575-8255, the number to call. Or you can text us 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria, Ton, and Liz with you this morning taking your questions. Next listener wants to know, guys, can you split a large Shasta daisy in the spring? Yes, you can. Well, you can. <laughs> yep, just uh, look for where, because the Shasta daisy is made up of a whole bunch of different rosettes usually. And so just look for where those growth points are and find a good spot and chop it up. Ton, is it a good time to plant a pluot tree? If you can find one, it's getting warm enough that you could plant one out. You know, sometimes if they're coming out of Southern California, they'll have leaves on them already, and you would need to put that in a bright but protected room, like an unheated garage near a window or maybe even a sunroom temporarily until you could plant it outside. If it's coming in dormant, then, yeah, it's a pretty good time. All right, back to our phone lines. Sherry is in Orem, and good morning, Sherry. What is your question? Good morning. I have two questions. Um, this year, I would like to grow some uh, strawberries and some vegetables in big pots. And I noticed last year at Costco, they had um, bags labeled potting soil, and they had ba- bags labeled raised garden beds. So which one do I need for growing in pots, big pots? The one that's the potting soil raised garden beds is going to be a lot more sharply drained just because of the nature of outdoor raised beds. And so you want the potting soil. The potting Potting soil have more water holding capacity too. So they should stay wetter for longer, which is better for your plants. Okay. Thank you. And then my other question, uh, there's a lawn care company that was advertising doing liquid aeration. Is that something that's really works? No, the job. It will work for about six weeks, and then the chemicals they're using, and they, I mean, I say chemical, I'm not trying to make it sound evil or, you know, conspiracy, but they are using chemicals similar to dish soap to break up the soil, but those will break down naturally soil microorganisms, sunlight, all sorts of different things, and so it's a very temporary fix, and it's just something they can do to add to the marketing to say, look, we're aerating, but you're always better off with hollow core aeration. Okay. Yeah. I, I having all those little uh, clods all over the garden sound, (laughs) 
This other system sounded so nice. Well, so. and you want to leave those in place. You can run your mower over them to see if you can break some of them up. But the purpose of those plugs is that you want them to break down and introduce soil into your thatch layer. And that soil has microorganisms on it that will help break down the thatch more quickly. And so even though it's unsightly and it looks like little cat poops all over the place or something, yep. the uh, if you let them break down with the sprinklers and mowing, they actually will benefit your lawn. Okay. Well, that's right. valuable information. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for your questions this morning. Uh, we, we don't have time for another question. I want to get to Sherry's questions, though, from uh, Vineyard. She wanted to know, what is a good fertilizer for raspberries? A 20-0-0 or triple 16. And when should she prune her peach trees? Right now. Okay, and really that is all the time that we have for your questions this morning. We'll be back again next Saturday from 8 to 11. If you've missed part of the show, you want to find out more, you heard part of a segment, you can always check us out in podcast form at kslnewsradio.com. Liz, thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. And, Ton, I know you're going to be better next week, right? I am. All right. Have a great weekend. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.